0: the man in charge of sonic motivation for players
1: dj extraordinaire the official dj of Edmonton oilers for the nhl hub dj for the stanley cup playoffs of the world junior hockey championship john hicks john hicks john hicks Hicks, aka johnny infamous johnny infamous johnny infamous johnny infamous a shout out to dj infamous in the building at rogers place keeping the energy up welcome to between whistles with your host johnny infamous Season 1, Episode 2, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN to unlock rewards at DraftKings.com.
0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Johnny Infamous. This is episode two of Between Whistles. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny Infamous. And thank you to everyone who subscribed via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts last week. Don't forget, we go live with the visual version of this show on YouTube every Wednesday at noon. Subscribe on YouTube. Just search Between Whistles. My guest this week has got a resume that rivals most others in sports entertainment and game presentation. Today's show starts our journey over two episodes as we talk to current and former team members of the Vegas Golden Knights production team. Today's guests launched the franchise's in-game show in 2017. And if you've watched an NBA All-Star game, Cavs game, Columbus Blue Jackets, or Golden Knights NHL game, if you've watched WWE Wrestling live events, or attended them. Or if you've been to Madison square garden in the nine months pre pandemic, you've been impacted by entertainment that John Greco had a hand in. He's had an illustrious career that includes, Oh man, a ton of stuff having a hand in four NBA all-star games. He was director of video production during LeBron James, entire tenure with the calves. Uh, he served as event producer for the WWE. He helped launch the Vegas golden Knights in game experience. Uh, in the entertainment capital of the world. But more recently, he's worked as executive producer uh, at MSG. Yeah, that's with the Knicks and Rangers. But now he's focused on the upcoming season with the NHL's newest franchise, the 32nd team to be introduced to the league, the Seattle Kraken, where he is SVP, that's Senior Vice President of Live Entertainment and Game Presentation. Johnny Greco joins
1: us today on Between Whistles. John, thanks for joining us. How are you? Dude, it's so awesome to be joining a sonic storyteller like yourself, a creator, an experience maker. I'm so happy to share some energy with you, partner. Thanks for having me on. Same. I
0: mean, the legend of Johnny Greco. I have to say, I thought Steve Mayer's bio on last week's show was incredible, but I got to admit yours is impressive. We're going to try and touch on most of it if we can in the short amount of time I have here today. But first off, what drew you to sports entertainment, game presentation, fan engagement sector in the first place? You know what got me into
1: this? Probably like a lot of kids, like I love sports. I love playing sports. I remember watching the 1986 New York Mets being seven years old when they won the World Series. And I I didn't make it past like the first inning. I fell asleep all the time. But that connection, hanging out with my dad, you know, eating Burger King. I just always loved sports. And then we played sports. And then you're like, this is awesome. I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. Then you realize you're not going to be the next Michael Jordan. And then you're like, okay, what can I do? And I also always loved film and movies. So it was, it was really neat growing up where my teachers in high school, they literally would let us like, instead of writing papers, they were like, well, just tell the story. So I would grab my VHS recorder and I would make films instead of writing papers sometimes. And I always thought that that was an incredible outlet for kids to learn and kind of express themselves. And they supported it back then, which was really cool. And then I ended up going to film school. And I was like, cool, I'm going to make movies like Steven Spielberg. But my first internship offer was with the Florida Marlins. And I was like, I thought I was going to make movies. What's this sports thing? And then I, you know, fortunately got teamed up with some incredible people there and you're working sports. And then you're like, we need a video shoot with Hank Aaron. We need to play music at the game. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I get to watch games? and make videos and play music and do all these things. I was like, this is unbelievable. I didn't even know that was a job while I was going to college. So I kind of fumbled upon the internship, one of the greatest blessings I've ever had in my life. Cause you, you know, this, you know, this really well, Johnny, like it's a small world. We all connect with each other. We all work together. You know, that got me into sports and I've been so lucky to be able to do a lot of different things and be lifted up by a lot of incredible people. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Out of all these interviews I've been doing and uh, everyone says lucky, gratitude, all the things like that. But you especially, I mean, most people get a piece of maybe, you know, an amateur league team, and then they work for the pros. How does it feel to have been a part of so many different teams, not only that, events and organizations, you've been
1: all over the place throughout the years. It's been really neat to for people. I love people. I love connecting with people. I don't want the Johnny Greco anything. I want this team did this really cool thing, right? We were in Vegas and and I, I had gotten some attention for things, but I was like, there's so many people involved in this. Like this isn't just me. And and to give the shout outs to all the people, you know, you were in the bubble doing this at a high level. It wasn't just Johnny Infamous doing the music. Like you have all these people, all these engagements, you're trying to figure out what works, you're collaborating, you're contributing. And I just, I love connecting with different people. And I was talking to a buddy of mine recently and I'm like, I swear, like the professional journey, whatever that is, it feels for me like it's like, Life of Pi, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and like Forrest Gump, like combined in sports entertainment. Like I've always been like in these neat places when I get to be around these incredible people, you know, some famous and popular, and some you don't know who really you've learned all these incredible things from. And it's just been a wild ride. So it's it's I like to live life. I like to use my heart and pour it into everything I do. And I love connecting with people and doing things that people don't think are possible, but you do them together and then all of a sudden you're like. You know, those who say it cannot be done should not interrupt the person doing it. Right. Like, so it's a it's a thing my dad used to have on his desk and I take it with me everywhere I go because it's like, do you want to help me find a solution to do something? Or are you going to tell me why we can't? Because if you're going to tell me why we can't, I'm going to we're going to we're going to team up with some other people who want to move mountains and do something really important. I know you have a background in film, having been the director of video in Cleveland for
0: the Cavaliers. I imagine that was a relatively easy job just because the sheer amount of content generated by LeBron James on a nightly basis. What was it like watching that man
1: evolve in those formative years? Great question. And working there again, surrounded by incredible people. Clevelanders are like salt of the earth, love their sports teams. And then you have Akron, you know, the kid from Ohio come in and just lift up the city, also Northeast Ohio, and also just like basketball on planet earth and, and watching him every day develop, mature as a human being, as a man, but then also like literally get to work with him and talk to him about a few projects. And, and one of the coolest things ever that someday I'll tell my kids when they'll understand how neat this is, is like, I got to throw him an alley-oop once on a video shoot. And it was a bad pass, Johnny. It was a bad pass. <laughs> and he caught it and made me look like John Stockton. It was like the coolest dunk ever. And I'm like, yes. I called up my buddies for, who I grew up playing basketball. They're like, guess what I just did? So, you know, the video side, filmmaking side, in the end, audio side, it's all just stories. Like, are we connecting emotionally with people to to give them the feels, to make them kind of elevate their day a little bit. And and we've never needed this more than we do right now, right? In a pandemic, we just want to connect with people. I don't know you that well, Johnny, but I want to hug you. But I can't because we're, you know, far away and we're on video screens. But when I see you, we'll be able to do that. And I think everybody's kind of craving that communal experience, the physical high five. And we all just have to sort of be creative, pivot, be innovative during this time and invent things along the way that will be the tools in our toolkit to be even greater when we, when we come out, you know, on the other side of this craziness. So how
0: did you take what you'd learned in the NBA and other things you had done up to this point and transition into the world of professional wrestling and that kind of event presentation with the WWE? First of all, how did it come about? Did you see a job opening? Did
1: someone come to you? WWE was looking at their live event, not their TV broadcast, their live events. They do like over 300 live events a year. So there's a lot that's not broadcasted. But they used to call them house shows or live events. And that was where, you know, the superstars could really develop skills, develop the microphone skills, try different things in the ring and really engage with fans without like a ticking clock of of the, the broadcast window. So it was a lot of fun. It was a very organic kind of show. And WWE was looking to sort of shift what they were doing a little bit more to make it a little more game ops wise, right? So uh, somehow very fortunately, my name had popped up and I got to interview with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, which was just unbelievable. And they were kind of like, the interview was going and we're kind of connecting and I'm terrified out of my mind and we're going, I'm like, I don't know how this goes. And then Triple H asks, like, how well do you know wrestling? And I'm like, well, I haven't followed in a long time, but I I get storytelling, I get experiences. And they're like, no, no, it's fine that you don't know it. We need people who don't know the brand so well. We need to change it a little bit. Sometimes you get so close to your product, you're not really listening to the audience and you're not giving them the best experience possible. And I'll never forget the self-awareness and self-confidence to like understand that we can invite someone from the outside in. And it takes a while before you earn your stripes there. Like I thought I was pretty good at what I did. I had been, again, lifted up by great people to that point. And I got there and I had my butt handed to me in every shape of the world. You're traveling the world. You're flying on red eyes creatively. You're not nearly how good, as good as you thought you were. You know, you're using technology and equipment and learning storytelling at a level that just isn't taught in many places. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is hard, but I kept going. I kept going. And And there were again, great human beings there who coached me, locked arms with me, taught me different things. So to answer the question, a lot of game operations tied into the live event experience there. But I learned a lot at WWE that now brought me back into the, what I call the entertainment experience, right? It's not just game operations, right? What happens if there's no games? Like it's the entertainment experience. It's bigger than that. How do you create that two and a half hour game window, but make it a five hour experience, right? And then with the content and everything else, it becomes this 24 hour experience. So just thinking of it as telling stories, good guys, bad guys, right? Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker. It, it honestly, WWE brought it all back to me being seven years old and watching Star Wars. And like, I kind of lost that in sports and it's fine. I got it back in WWE. I'm glad you touched on that. Like ideas you may have taken
0: from this experience. Cause I feel like what we're about to talk about next Vegas, Golden Knights, mm-hmm. uh, when you launched their in-game show, it was just so different, so new, so original. And you could almost see those ideas of like the heel and the hero, you took some ideas yeah. and brought them to Vegas. So I guess that's part one of the question. Part two would be, again, did they come calling for you? Did you want to be part of the experience just on your own when you heard about the expansion? How did that come about?
1: Yes. Huge elements from WWE, which really, if you cut it down, it it's not just wrestling at all. Like really pay attention to their content. And then you realize it's all storytelling, the way they dress, the way they talk, the way a bad guy in the ring, he'll jump up on the turnbuckle, but he doesn't need to look at the good guy behind him because a good guy is not going to attack him. And there's all this character development, and nuance that you see and- Going to Vegas, we had incredible leadership, and that's how I got there. The team president there, Kerry Bubbles, who's a dear friend of mine, I had worked with him in Cleveland. He was an SVP of sponsorships with the Cavaliers. He was the team president of the then Lake Erie Monsters, now Cleveland Monsters, the AHL team. He and I loved working together. He had crazy creative ideas. He loved game presentation. He would always say, if I wasn't, you know, the team president, I'd want Greco's role or I'd want to be doing, you know, the game directing role. He just loved that side of it. So he had an incredible respect and awareness and and also just allowed kind of a freedom and autonomy to do it. Like he created, he knew what he wanted and then he let us kind of step in. So when Vegas came about, Kerry became the president and he had reached out to me and it's all relationships, right? Carrie remembered the Cleveland experience and, and asked me, Hey, you want to join and, you know, got my family and I out there. And then, you know, it's kind of like, go, you know, what do you want to do? How are we going to do this? And we figured out what the characters were, what the elements were of the brand and let's not kid like the benefit of WWE is you have these beautiful narratives and stories and characters, and you kind of, you build this, this arc, you know, over a year, over a month as they're setting up for a pay-per-view in sports if the Oilers go down three, nothing in the first period, not that that'll ever happen, Johnny, but if that (laughs) happens, like all of a sudden you're not so good at playing music, all of a sudden the videos aren't as funny. And so, so we're kind of at the disposal of the scoreboard. So how do we create an environment that's a little agnostic of that score? How do we create that environment? That's like, yeah, we lost seven to one, but Oh my God, the mascot did this funny thing and they gave away this prize and Holy cow, this promotion was so cool. How are you building that forever memory that you know, you talk about that game you went to with your dad and you got a hot dog and you know you smelled the ice. And it's like, yeah, do you remember who won? You're like, no, I just I was there with my dad, and oh my God, what a memory that was. Like, that's what we're trying to create. Right now, if we win, whoo, it's a lot more fun. There's a lot more eyes on it, and you know, people acknowledge it differently. But if you're doing it with your heart and you're creating and just giving your best effort you know, you can do some pretty magical things. And if you're not doing it for the awards and the accolades and the attention, you're just doing it for that crew. You're doing it for the fans. You're just trying to do something that, that, you know, gives us all the chills. Eventually, you know, people, people know this, you know, and that's kind of cool.
0: Uh, just a reminder, the music director of the Golden Knights for its inaugural season and two beyond that, Jake Wagner, a uh, great guy, is going to be on the show next week. Uh, and then current in-game DJ, music director now, Joe Green, also going to be on the show. Uh, both of them, obviously, when I talked to them singing your praises, you had a big hand in the show and that launch. Now comes what I can only assume, John, is what you must consider the biggest or one of the biggest gigs of your life. I mean, working for MSG, you're not talking about just the Knicks, the Rangers too, but having a hand in all these incredible events, it must've been a culmination of everything you'd learned over the years up to that point that helped you take the reins of that beast. How did you even begin to tackle that part?
1: Always great people. There there were some incredible folks there, like Greg Kwisak, Lauren trustee people that I knew there already who completely held my hand and it was for me kind of going home my parents are from Brooklyn New York I grew up in upstate New York and it was like who gets a chance to go to Madison Square Garden the world's most famous arena? I was like I have to try this I oh my god what an opportunity you know so I got there early in the season so like things were already in motion I, I did very little there except learn from some really good people and try to support them where I could and we were gaining some traction, chemistry was developing. And before I really got to do a lot with that phenomenal team, you know, like the world, COVID hit. And it was like, oh, time out, we're stopped. And you know, everyone was kind of on hold, but I did forge some unbelievable bonds with world-class performers. Like a guy like Ray Castoldi, who I'm sure you know, who, you know, produced jock jams and for five decades has been playing at the garden. And like to watch a guy like that in work, do his thing. Like that's worth nine months at Madison square garden, just to see that dude do what he does. Like just, you talk about lifting spirits and creating obviously Knicks games, Rangers games. He's playing the music. He's playing the organ. It's, it's unbelievable. He's, he's captivating, you know, the garden faithful, but then more importantly, the pandemic hits and then we're doing these daily meetings and weekly meetings and what we had him do, which was just, I get chills when I think about this because we were all scared. Everybody's scared. People are getting sick. You know, New York was one of the hubs early on. And what we would do is have Ray play a song, whether it's In Sync or, or Michael Bolton or something way cooler than that. He, he could make it sound like art. And it was art. And it was so neat. And it just, you'd see all these people who are hurting and afraid and scared and me, like I felt the same way. And then you just see everybody feel better because of music, because of art, because it's something we were all missing. And I'll never forget or be able to say thank you enough for what he did there but it, it was spirit lifting again. And I'll never forget how cool that was. And again, you see the power of music, video content connecting. Yeah. So, so being at the garden was nine months of just insanity. It was crazy. It was fast, unbelievable experience. And, and then I got to be a part of the Seattle Kraken now, which is just, just, again, it's part of that wild journey. And there, there doesn't have to be that many rules if, if we don't lock ourselves into the, to a box on the ride.
0: So we've made our way through your storied past. Let's talk about right now. Let's talk about today. You're currently prepping for the show for the Seattle Kraken's maiden voyage into the NHL. Uh, Again, first of all, how did this opportunity present itself
1: to you? Were you handpicked? No. So, so I was terrified because they were talking to some incredible people and uh, again, it kind of went through a headhunting process, which is common. And I knew some of the, the people that they were going after. And I was like, oh, no, like Carrie in Vegas reached out to me and said, hey, I'd love you to champion this team. I'm like, oh, this is great here. was like, hey, you know, you did something pretty cool in Vegas. And, you know, would you want to interview for the, you know, it's was like, oh, uh, I'd love to. But now I'm nervous because I knew all the people they were going after. So the fact that I got that incredible offer to join this team that's standing for changing the game in life, not just sport and, and using your platform, using your microphone to educate and and again on the sport of hockey, of course, but but so many other things like like how we hire people, um, you know women, Um, you know, people of color, just making sure that our organization looks and represents like what the world is in the best way and giving people a chance and, and really allowing us to have the best lens possible to create the most dynamic experience possible. And the way to do that is to, again, all shapes and sizes in the creative space. Like we, we need to dig deep and expand what we're building to expand the stories we're telling and give everyone a shot to share their stories. Cause there are some great stories that aren't being told because they just haven't been allowed. They haven't been given the shot. You know, this one right now is the thing where I'm like, wow, I might be most proud of, and it has nothing to do with dropping pucks or creating videos or an experience. It's like, we're doing something, a movement as an organization and to keep you know, you know, again, locking arms and all of us moving forward as we do this, it's just, it's important, right? There's, there's success to find that how you will, but then there's also like significance, which is way more important. Like what are we doing that's significant? Uh, We're hoping this
0: summer will bring better days, COVID vaccines are getting into people's arms. Uh, We're getting back to the new normal, hopefully, or whatever that is slowly, but surely. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I feel we have to talk about it though. On the flip side of that coin in the event that the pandemic doesn't improve or heaven forbid, it takes a turn for the worst. The Seattle Kraken could be the first team in the NHL history to start a season without fans in the building. What's your thinking? How are you approaching this and developing different game plans for whatever scenario
1: may present itself uh, come season opener? It's a great question, Johnny. And, And we all have to be as prepared as we can. And we've all learned kind of how ill prepared we were for some of this different um, career choices and jobs, but definitely in the entertainment space. But then you start to see these opportunities to truly pivot, right? We've all talked about this and, and, you know, deviate from the starting place and and just having this open-minded inventive spirit to like, and you did it. I mean, you were front row working with the NHL right in the NHL bubble and just doing a great job doing your Sonic thing. And That gave you a master class in like, how do we do this, you know, no fan thing from here for the TV broadcast? And I think all of us have picked up different skill sets. And at first, most of us were probably irritated by it, frustrated by it, just natural human reaction to like, this sucks. I want fans. I want my job the way it used to be. We all probably reacted that way first or felt that way first. But then, like, how did we absorb the knowledge we were given? How do we inform ourselves? How did we illuminate a process that might kind of be cool, even with 17,300 fans at Climate Pledge Arena. And you're looking at things right now, just literally listening to the world, listening to sports entertainment, listening to what our NHL brethren and sports entertainment brethren are doing everywhere to be like, oh, did you see what Golden State Warriors did? Like, oh, the Miami Heat did this thing. Like, oh, Kansas City Chiefs. Like you start to just pick it up and, and be like, this stuff might be cool with fans. So let's take that. But also let's see who's doing it. Best, whatever that means, in this sort of scenario. So you know we have to be uh, weary of the contingency planning. We imagine seventeen thousand three hundred people at the arenas, a whole bunch of people outside of the arena, a whole bunch of people connecting, you know, through the app and through the way, you know, at home, and just like, how are we giving this cascading entertainment experience to all these people? That's the goal. Now life happens, and we all have to pivot and adjust and be ready, and we'll adapt as we kind of move forward. You know We're in February right now, so we're all systems go, but we all got to listen. We can't be tone deaf to, to life and what we're all doing. And in the meantime, we'll just continue to be inspired by all the entertainers, artists, broadcasts that are doing these really cool things that I think all of us can use to develop our own toolboxes for how we all move forward. Like, like I said, you know, playing, doing a concert on, on a zoom, we have zoom fatigue We're tired, but people are pivoting and learning and growing and developing that toolbox to be the best creators, storytellers and, and content builders, which, you know, content's always been King, but wow, you know, how much are we all consuming right now? Cause we can't do it live. One
0: thing's for sure. We are going to have an expansion draft. In terms of an event for that, whether it's virtual or live, what is the planning that goes into that? And then second part of that question, are there any players that you would love to be snatched up and come play (laughs) in the Emerald City?
1: That's a a loaded question. Uh, So I'm not going to answer part two, but I I love that one. Uh, But yes, (laughs) of course, we all have our like insane draft roster dream team that you would pick. Uh, You know, on the expansion draft, it's an unbelievable event. It's an important event. And and you get to introduce all these players. We are thrilled about that opportunity. Pandemic, COVID. What does it look like? Well, let's let's forge forward with the ideal scenario. That moment where you have your players putting on you know the sweaters and getting you know. And you're just like this is stuff that lived, You know the 10 year anniversary of the Seattle Crack, and people look back at this moment. You know, it's one of those real defining moments. If we can be like an anchor in the community. In the Pacific Northwest, to give people this this beacon of hope and joy, and 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 here's your team. Like, oh, we're gonna figure out how to tell that story. We don't know exactly how yet, but we're gonna do it the best we can with the variables we're given, and we hope to make Seattle proud always in everything we do. How are you liking uh, the new
0: style of the NHL? How do you like these new divisions? Uh, Who, what teams are really exciting you this year in terms of play and game presentation? And who do you think is going to make a run for the
1: cup this year? You know, um, the Golden Knights were built for success from the beginning. Like they set up the draft that way for kind of long-term winning formula. And, you know, I I love those people so much. So I'll always wish them well until next year. But, but this year, it's okay. Um, yeah, I, they do great. And on the ice, hockey's the best game because an eight seed can legitimately win it all. That Like, they can run it. They can do it. The Kings did it recently. Like, it happens in hockey. It is That is this bloodbath, like, next man up, just climbing the mountain with broken everything, teeth knocked out, and, like, last person standing. Here we go. And not, other sports aren't like that, right? Like the Super Bowl is a game seven. You have a few games to get there and they're kind of like all game sevens, you know, basketball and eight seed. I'd be shocked if an eight seed ever wins. It's just not, the game's not set up for that. So hockey just is truly a game where again, I'll, I'll be Switzerland. I, I don't know who'll win. Now, what I do know is there's great creators and storytellers in the NHL. And there've been a bunch off the ice, right? Forget the score for a second, but there's, there's a lot of teams that do some fun things and they do it win or lose or draw. But then you see teams like Carolina Hurricanes, the storm surge a couple of years ago where you're like, what is that? Like, that's the most unhockey thing ever. But man, how much fun was that? And that's kind of following the lead, listening to your team. You know, they started winning. They started creating this thing. It just became this massively popular thing that transcended the game of hockey, which is really important. We got to grow our sport. We got to let people in. We got to be inclusive. We got to educate how much fun this game can be. And what they did was amazing. Then you look at what the Blues did, right? The song Gloria, that becomes this like pop culture phenomenon. That may or may not be an awful song, but it was the right song at the right time. And everybody jumped in. So that's what's always fascinating to me is to see how these creators listen to what's going on, pivot and adjust, because there's no way you're planning for that storm surge to happen. That happens, you're like, whoa, how do we lean into this? And how do we just support what's already happening? That's our role as storytellers for the game experience. The game leads, always the game leads, don't get in the way. But when the game goes well, accentuate it, And if the game's not doing so well that night, make sure we're supporting it with other things like, Hey, look over here. This is cool too. So you can create those forever memories. And maybe for one night, you don't have to think about the score as much, but it's, it's, it's limiting right now. We all know this in the pandemic as far as event presentation in all sports, but it's interesting just to see who's putting out different kinds of content, how mascots are engaging with their fans and just people looking at this as like a woe is me or Ooh, I got an idea. You know what's not being done is this. And that's that's a turn on, right? Like if those people who just, they're relentless with their creation, they're not gonna be stopped no matter what. So you're always kind of just keeping your eyes out for that. And it doesn't have to be just hockey. It doesn't have to be just basketball. It doesn't have to be just sports, right? Go to the sports entertainment, go to WWE, go to the the um, what's going on in Europe. Look at the technologies in Japan that are coming out. Like you can just start to look worldwide and you can get the craziest things that are being done. And then how does that make sense to your game, to your show, to your team, to your brand. I think that's always just, if we listen a little more, which could be just watching content, I think we can really you know, open up our own horizons a bit, which is super cool.
0: John Greco is Senior Vice President of Live Entertainment and Game Presentation for the newest NHL team taking its maiden voyage here in 2021, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, John, one last question for me. If you weren't doing this,
1: what would John Greco be doing? Uh, making movies with Steven Spielberg and Jerry Bruckheimer or that or fishing on a river. I think <laughs> those are the two options. Uh, I love that question.
0: <laughs> John, I feel like I could do three episodes alone just on your career. I know we're going to be following along with the uh, Seattle Kraken story as it unfolds. I wish you great success on your launch in Seattle and your first season. If it's anything like the one in Vegas, uh, it's going to be something
1: to behold. And I hope when things get rolling, uh, you can come back and chat with us again about your experience. Hey, my friend, Johnny, appreciate it so much. Awesome to be on the Between Whistles podcast. And I would, uh, I'll would i join you anytime, partner. Can't wait to see what you guys are doing up there in Edmonton. Well,
0: there you go. A short but sweet conversation with the man who's going to be launching the Seattle Krakens inaugural season in-game show. It's going to be interesting to see how the expansion draft and everything turns out. We'll be sure to check back in with John Greco after the summer. Don't forget to tune in next week. We're continuing on with a bit of a Vegas theme. DJ Joe Green, current in-game DJ and music director for the Vegas Golden Knights and previous music director for the first three seasons of the Vegas Golden Knights, Jake Wagner, who is also soundtracking the series of games in Lake Tahoe this month for the NHL. Both going to be chatting to us in one episode. That's next Wednesday at noon. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get podcasts. A couple games in the NHL tonight. Bruins Rangers, Leafs Canadians should be a couple of deadly games. My name is Johnny Infamous. Be good to each other.
1: This has been Between Whistle with Johnny Infamous. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Presented by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN to unlock rewards at DraftKings.com.